Everyone hear me? Awesome. Good morning, you guys. It's good to be here with you today. It's been, I think, a little over a month, so it's been a while, so uh, I missed all you guys. It's good to see you again. So um, today we're going to be talking about something that um, I believe every Christian has uh, been familiar with, and that's uh, spiritual depression. That's feeling, uh, feeling like God is distant from you at some points in your life, and we're going to talk about uh, what that feels like and how we can, we can deal with that. So um, let me just uh, pray this morning if you just bow your heads with me. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for, uh, for everything you've given us, God. And we thank you for this, this building, we thank you for the people here, uh, we thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another uh, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, please uh, speak to our hearts today from your word, Lord. Please just pierce our hearts and just give us something to take with us throughout our week, Lord. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. All right. So it says here, To the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. So it's obvious from a a short cursory reading of this psalm that the author is going through a negative um, experience, obviously. Um, And so, as I said, this is something that that all Christians will experience at some point in their life. if you're a Christian here today, if you have not already experienced it, you will experience it. So let's look through some of the aspects of what the psalmist is going through, what the author of this psalm is, is experiencing. So verses 1 and 2 state, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The psalmist uses the imagery of a thirsty, panting stag, an, an animal that is just gasping for water, to desti- describe the state of his soul outside of God's presence. The author then describes God as the water that provides life to his thirsty soul. What is obvious here is the psalmist is experiencing a drought, a spiritual drought, um, and he's thirsty for God's presence. Verse 3 states, My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? The tears that result from the lack of feeling, the lack of experience of God's presence, um, are, serve as a constant reminder for the psalmist 
they're, they're taunting him, saying, where is your God? Verses 5 and 11 say, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? The author's soul is cast down and in turmoil, though it's difficult to describe this distance from God's presence has caused a dark depression, a spiritual drought to visit upon the psalmist. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. The psalmist feels as though he is drowning beneath the weight of the depression that he is experiencing. He is sinking down into the very depths of his spiritually downcast state. Verse 9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? The author even goes so far as to say that God has forgotten him. He feels completely neglected by God, completely uncared for. Verse nine. Oh, sorry. Verse 10. As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So the psalmist be, begins to feel taunted by his spiritual enemies that, that, that God has deserted him in his very time of need. And so what we have here is an outline of, of what the psalmist is feeling. And um, I'm, I can relate to this, uh, definitely. Uh, and I'm sure that many of you in here can, can relate to, to this feeling of, of, of downcastness, of, of desertion from God. So this is a really happy topic to talk about today, right? So um, we always wonder, we, we wonder why, why is this the case? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Maybe we don't say it out loud, but we feel it deep within ourselves. We no longer find joy in the things of God. It seems like our soul has an aversion to God's presence. We avoid, we avoid doing the things that, that we know will, will, will bring us near to God. And so I imagine this is how the disciples of our Lord must have felt um, as Christ was hanging on the cross, as he walked up to Calvary. Their very hope was tied up in the, the physical presence of Jesus Christ. They walked with him for three years. They, they knew him better than anybody else on this earth today. Their hope was tied up. They thought that he was the Messiah at that time. And, and here was a complete contradiction in their minds. Jesus walking to Calvary. Jesus is going to be crucified. Jesus is going to die. And on that hill, for that time, their hope died along with them. Because it was tied up in the very physical presence of Jesus Christ. So many times uh, when we are feeling this kind, of, uh, this kind of distance from God, this kind of depression... It's a result of sin in our lives, which separates us from God and causes a chasm to arise. Other times, God simply withholds the feeling of his presence for us for his own good pleasure. We have no right at any time to question God's judgment or, or God's reasoning for doing this. Uh, God's ways are, are always good. And we have a promise. As it says in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now our version of good and God's version of good are two completely separate things at this point. And it's the goal of our lives really to bring our version of what is good in alignment with what's, what God's version of good is. We want to be constantly transformed and have our outlook, our, our worldview shaped by, by Christ's likeness. So we should always constantly strive to be aware of the fact that God has greater plans for us. That Everything that we're going through is working together for the, for the good of, of God's kingdom and for the good of ourselves, ultimately. Amen. It's a part of the Lord's great and beautiful design. And so we may experience something, however. We may be experiencing something today, this morning, such as the death of a loved one, um, a sickness. Maybe you can't do the things that you were once able to do, um, the desertion of a friend. And it seems completely horrible to us in the moment. If you're experiencing that today... 
it, it must feel horrible right now. But uh, the truth of the matter is that God has not forgotten you and God has not left you. And we have the promise that all things are working together for the good of those who are called according to God's purposes. Amen. To be called according to the uh, to be called according to God's purposes means that you're part of the family of God. If you are not a believer in the risen Christ this morning, you are not called according to God's purposes, and you do not have that guarantee that God is working everything together for your good and for the good of His kingdom. You don't even care about the kingdom of God if you're not a believer in here this morning. I pray, please, come to Christ. Become a partaker in that promise so that all things will work together for your good. Outside of that promise, we have no, we have no guarantees. We have hell. That's all we have. That's the only guarantee that we have. Please come to Christ this morning. May your hopes be stored in the unwavering rock that is Jesus. So within this psalm, we find the author not only describing his present state, but rather fighting for the hope that is to be found in God. The psalmist is continually speaking to himself, reasoning within himself, trying to speak life into his thirsty soul. So point number one on your outline this morning says, thirst for God. Thirst for God. So one major thing that we can learn from the, the, the unfortunate situation that the psalmist finds himself in, the, the distance that he feels between himself and God, is that we need to have a thirst for God and we need to foster that thirst within ourselves. We should never be satisfied with, with how much we know God or how much we know about God. Um, if no fresh water flows into a, a pond over time, it becomes stagnant, it becomes a swamp. It's, it's disgusting to look at. And the same thing can happen to our souls. If no living water, the living water that is God is, is funneled constantly into our souls, then, then our souls become stagnant. They become a swamp. The psalmist has this thirst for the presence of God because he knows this is the only thing that can truly quench his thirst. He knows this is the only true solution to the situation that he's going through. God provides the unceasing flow of living water for our thirsty and cast down souls. God alone can truly provide the refreshment and replenishment that our souls require to keep from becoming a swamp. We must fight, fight daily for this growth to occur and continue in our lives. Much as the psalmist is fighting through this in Psalm 42, he's fighting for this thirst to continue. So how do we do this? So I'm going to give three suggestions this morning. By constantly seeking God's face in prayer, by reading God's word and through fellowship with God's people. For many of us, when times get rough, the last thing that we want to do is, is pray. It seems so unnatural, which is exactly why we should do it. Our flesh wants to try to solve the problem ourselves. The enemy wants us to try to solve the problem ourselves because that, will ne that won't help anything. We think we can do things ourselves, but it's only when we rely upon God that we're, that we're truly able to do to do anything of worth. God isn't our magic genie, though. It's, it's not like when we, when we lay a situation before God. Um, I talked about this the last time I was here. When we lay a situation before God, we expect Him to, to, to magically change everything. We should pray, pray big things, expect big things. But at the same time, God may respond by simply giving us more of Himself, by giving us a greater awareness of His presence, by, by showing us His beauty in the world around us. And that is the gift that is to be desired above all things. A greater awareness of God's presence always. Knowing that we have a God who is living. 
We have a God who has not forsaken us, and we have a God that will never forget us. In James chapter 1, verses 2, and f- 2 through 4, it says that we should count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When our faith is tested, it will later produce greater faith. If we go through the tough times in our walk with God, then we can surely slide through the easy times. I mean, if you can climb up a mountain, then you can definitely walk over a hill. In the same way that we have to work out a muscle, you know, I mean, you know, I lift a lot of weights, of course, you've seen my arms now. So, when you, in the same way that you have to work out a muscle in order for it to grow, it's the same, it's the same case with our faith. Our faith has to be tested. We have to go through the hard times with God so that we can have the strong faith other times. So we must be consistently devoting time each and every day to prayer, to seeking God's face, to an awareness of God's presence by thanking God for everything that He's given us, by praying for the people around us, by praying for our our current situation, by just laying it out before God. Oftentimes, uh, for me, I don't even know how to pray for it for a particular situation. And that's why I tell God, I say, Lord, I don't even know how to pray about this. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. We can't even pray correctly. And God helps us. We must pray constantly that God will be the center of our affections and we must fight for that thirst that is to be found in God. We must pray that God will create that thirst in us and that we will strive after God as a deer pants for flowing streams. So the second thing that I mentioned was spending time in Scripture. As you read God's Word, dwell upon His promises for you written there. So God is not a man that He should say one thing and do another. God does not lie. He does not cause people to lie. God does not sin. He does not cause people to sin. So we know these things to be true. And so God, if God has promised that all things will work together for the good of those who are called according to His purposes, do not doubt that. Do not doubt that fact. Set your hope in that fact. You can count on it. Psalm 18, verse 30 states, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. In the moment, it may may not seem like it. I mean, honestly, no matter how much these truths are cemented in your minds, as soon as a trial comes up, our fleshly human response is to doubt, where is God in this? Where do we see God in this situation? And it's at that point, it's at that moment, when we have the choice to choose between doubt and faith, that we must choose faith. We always have the choice. It's also important to memorize scripture so that you can have it with you wherever you go, even whenever, whenever you're working, whenever you're uh, just hanging out with your friends. If you don't have your Bible with you, you should also carry your Bible with you. But uh, one of my favorites is the one that I just said, Romans 8.28, uh, you know, which we just talked about, and then... Uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, which I'm working on right now, working on memorizing it now, but which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I, I used to suffer from rather severe anxiety. And so this, this, this verse in uh, Philippians, these two verses in Philippians, became my prayer to God. Became, I would pray to God, I would lift up my prayers and supplications to Him, and as I would pray to Him, as I would, I would say, Lord, I'm trusting you with these things, then truly the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, uh, truly washes, washes over us. 
So it's go go fig that the Bible works, right? The, the promises in the Bible are true. We can trust Scripture. Scripture is trustworthy. It's the Word of God. Amen. And also, I'm I'm horrible with memorizing things. So if I can if I can do it, if I it takes it takes a lot of work. But if I can do it, then you guys can do it too. So. Um, so also the, the third thing is run to your Christian friends. It would seem that one of the ways that God has has uh, made His presence known on earth, as we've talked about before, with with Christ in you, when we went through Colossians, the whole the whole theme there was that was that we we literally are the body of Christ. Whenever uh, you go and you talk to your friends about uh, the situation that you're going through, and they give you godly counsel, uh, Christ is giving you godly counsel through them. Whenever your friends pray with you. Christ is praying with you. Whenever your friends give you a hug, Jesus is giving you a hug. We literally are the body of Christ for each other, and that's the way that it's designed. Church is, church is not just this building here. Church is a whole community. Church is the entire body of Christ working together. Christianity is not just a religion, not just a philosophy, and it's not just a, a big self-help group that we all, we all get together. It's, we are a part of the body of Christ connected through our relationship with Jesus Christ with one another. And so we should thank God constantly for this. But remember, this is something that's normal. For, for some reason, we don't want to go, with, go to our Christian friends. We feel like uh, everyone thinks that we should be perfect all the time. I mean, I know that I've struggled with that in the past, is that, well, everyone thinks that I'm so perfect. How can I go and tell them about this problem that I'm having? They'll, what will they think about me? And the truth is, is for the sake of your own soul, you need to go speak to them. And who knows, they might be going through a similar thing. So, for the sake of your own soul, for the sake of their soul, speak to your Christian friends. They are the physical representation of, of Christ on earth. They, they have Christ in them, you have Christ in you. So please utilize that as an avenue of, of, um, of, of getting out of your spiritual depression. So we should also be aware of our, our Christian, uh, Christian brothers and sisters' situations as well. If they're looking da- downcast, if, if they look like their soul is in turmoil, we need to be observing enough to see that and we need to ask them is there anything that I can pray for you about is there anything that you'd like to talk to me about today for some reason in the church it's it's like we, we just we just come on Sunday a lot of times and, and we just go home and, and that's the only time we see these these people here but we're a community of faith that's not the way that it should be it shouldn't just be I see you for an hour on Sundays and then oh I don't see you for the rest of the week I don't know how you're doing I don't know what's going on in your life we're literally we're, we're a family here. All believers are part of a family. So we need to be constantly aware of what's going on in each other's lives as well so that we can be praying for each other, so that we can be, we can be counseling one another and that we can be helping each other uh, through the, the deep, dark times in our lives. So point number two on your outline is remember God. Remember God. I couldn't think of a really flashy way to say this, so I just said it the simplest way possible. So the psalmist's thirst for God leads him to attempt to recount the times in which he felt God's presence. So as it says in verse 4, I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. We find that the psalmist is consoled not only by his thirst for God, but by the memories of God's presence. So it's important for us in times of doubt, in times when we're unsure of our calling, when, when we're saying, where is God in this situation, when we, when we feel truly downcast, that we remember and pray for those times, uh, the times that we remember God's presence to come back to us again, to revisit us. 
I've often found great encouragement in looking upon uh, times when I felt God's sovereign hand in my life. Uh, the, the situation with my coworker that I told you guys about when I was here um, about a month ago, um, I truly believe that God's hand was firmly in control in that situation. And I remember back to that, and that's just such a great encouragement to me when I felt God's presence and I, and I was so sure of my calling, I was so sure of my purpose there. Or, or times, uh, recently I was, I was talking with a friend, another Christian friend, about how much uh, she and I had grown since we had known each other. We, had just, we, we, we looked at the conversations that we, we had when we first met, and then we looked at the conversations that we have now. And the difference was, was striking. So we were both looking at where God has brought us from and where we're at now, and the hope that we have in the future that God will continue to do the same work in us throughout our lives as we continue to trust Him. So one excellent way of keeping track of, of what's, what God has done in your life is, is to, to journal it, to write it down somewhere. Um, I've done that in the past, and I'm actually uh, taking a course right now at my school where I have to journal... Uh, Periodically, and so we'll see how that works out because I'm 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 horrible with it. It's you know, but uh, just it's it's a self-discipline. It's a spiritual discipline to write down the things that God is teaching you, to write down what you a new thing that you learned about God, so that we can't for, forget that it's written down. So that whenever we're in times of spiritual darkness and spiritual depression, we can go back to those, and that we can hope in God and hope that we can return back to those and pray to God that we would return back to those times. We'll also know that we aren't tricking ourselves, that we aren't, we aren't uh, oh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't really God working in my life at that time. That was just a random, a random course of events. We can look back and say, this is how I perceived it at that time, and this is the truth. And so the real trick occurs whenever the enemy tries to come in and tell us that that wasn't really God working in your life. That was just some, that was just some random mishmash of atoms that happened, and then you know, all of a sudden this perfect situation occurred. So always you can remember the, 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 the hopes and the presence of God that you felt at that period in time. So number three on your outline is hope in God. Hope in God. This entire psalm centers around, first, the question we've already discussed. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And there's a second part to that. It says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation in my God. And it, and it happens twice. Um, in this psalm. It even goes into Psalm 43 as well at the very end. So oftentimes these psalms are put together. So this is truly the hope in God for I shall again praise Him is truly the central encouragement of this psalm. This is what we can learn from it today. So today there are so many uh, like secular self-help books that Christians get uh, caught up in secular programs that you know we think that we think uh, we need in order to be happy here on this on this earth. Um, there are even Christ, the Christian self-help books that have nothing to do with with doing what Christ would want you to do. Um, you know, there are easy systems, seven steps to, to to great happiness because Christians think that happiness happiness becomes their god. They idolize happiness. They idolize um, you know being being in a relationship with somebody. They idolize having a, a really nice car, and so. And so these, these things subvert uh, our relationship with God. They, they come in and then they seal our affections away from God. They, we place our hope in, in, in getting a great job. Um, for, for me in, in, in college right now, it's, you know, well, 
I want to I want to go and pursue you know academics and I want to be somebody who's important and write a bunch of books someday or something. And so we have to constantly fight against the the urges the 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 the, the culture that constantly tries to seep in and and steal our affections away from God. We do not focus as Colossians three one says on the things that are above. We focus on the things that are on this earth. We seem to be afraid for some reason to wholly trust in Christ, to place all of our faith in Christ alone. As Christians, our hope is founded upon Christ's resurrection, which proved his deity. As Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 17, it says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is not true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul is saying that, that if you're saying that there's no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then, then Jesus Christ was never raised. And if Jesus Christ was never raised, then he wasn't who he said he was. And if he wasn't who he said he was, then he cannot forgive your sins. Paul's hope and our hope is founded upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, proving that he is and was who he says he is and was. We need to constantly be placing our hope and none other than Jesus Christ. As I stated earlier, the hope of the disciples was stored upon the physical presence of, of Jesus Christ and, and how they must have felt as Christ uh, carried his cross up Calvary. How they must have felt as, as he literally died, dead, no pulse. Their hopes were completely dashed. They, they thought that they had it all figured out. They said, this is the Messiah. He'll bring in the kingdom of God. But Christ did not stay in the tomb. Christ was resurrected. God resurrected Jesus. And that miraculous event is what our hope lies in. Amen. Every day, every day, we must consciously make a decision to place our hope in Christ. Amen. We focus every morning on placing our hope in that, that unshakable rock of our salvation. Otherwise, we'll be caught up in this culture that I've been describing. The mindset of this world with its fears of death and its lust for power and money and the things of the flesh. You know, and it also means, it means trusting God with our present situation, with what we're going through, but it also means trusting God with our, our future. And this is so hard for me because I love to plan things. You know, and we're supposed to have, you know, a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and a 15-year plan. And these are all the things that we want to do in our lives before we die, places we want to visit. What this means is we need to trust God with our future. We need to say, Jesus, I will do what you want me to do, regardless of what it is. Yeah. And we need to be constantly looking and constantly be aware of God's calling in our life and be sensitive to that. We must say, Lord, my hope is placed in you and nothing else. Every day we must make the joyous, worshipful sacrifice of turning our lives over to God. 
we need to do this every day. This is something that we need to constantly be doing. This is something that we need to constantly be aware of. And so, think about what it means in your life to place your hope in Christ. It says here, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. It's in that hope. It's in that hope. The hope of our own eternal life that that we live. So as we daily place our hope in Christ, we can, along with the, the pastor and hymn writer, Edward Mote, we can say, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for this psalm that is spoken to us this morning. God, as we constantly seek your face in prayer, please give us an awareness of your presence, Lord. Please show us that we're truly not alone at any point, God. Lord, please give us a thirst for for you and for your presence. God, help us to place our hope in you every day, God. Help us to kill our flesh every day and place our hope in nothing other than Christ and his resurrection and the salvation that he provides. Lord, we thank you for today. Please, please bless us as we go throughout our weeks, Lord, and keep this truth firmly rooted in our minds. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.